Hello, everybody. This is Drew Carey for another episode of Tone Radio. This time, we'll shift to a children's book author who published a book entitled My Grouch and Me two years ago with five out of five global ratings. Wow. So please welcome Kelly Clemens. How are you, Kelly? Hello. Hey. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so how's your day going? It's, it's like um, five in the afternoon over there, right? Correct. Yeah. Great, great. It's, it's been an okay day. Weather's good. Cool. I my toe. You know, oh, what happened? Oh, I slipped and tripped and whacked my baby toe. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope that you're already okay with that. Do you place like a bandage on it? No, there's not much you can do for a broken toe. They look at it and go, yep, it's broken. <laughs> and you just... Wait for it to heal. <laughs> well, that's also the same way I'm thinking. Well, then, for today, we'll get to know more about Kelly inch by inch. So let me start with who's oh, Kelly Clement as a person? Ah, well, I've been told I'm a Renaissance woman. Mm, okay. <laughs> Never quite sure why they said that, but I guess it's because I have had a lot of experiences in a lot of different things. Oh, okay. Um, I have many talents and interests, and so from the time I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I worked with kids. And okay. I was a nanny or babysitting, and then when I went to college, I changed my major th- several times because I just couldn't find one that worked. Mm-hmm. But then later on, uh, my was a coach for softball, and I served as a missionary wow. for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And okay. I went to Europe. And so okay. I taught English classes there, and I taught people about the church while I was there. So when I got home, teaching just seemed to be what I should do. And so I did, and I taught mm-hmm. for over 20 years. Oh, Okay. So that's a start. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I also uh, would, uh, I used to like to write poems and things like that. So all the different things that I had access to were uh, all kinds of uh, different things as opposed to all in the same area, going the same direction. So I would... Uh, I taught science, mm-hmm. and so that gave me lots of opportunities to to work with kids in a, in different ways, like you know, blowing, putting Mentos in <laughs> Coke and watching uh-huh. them explode all over. They love that kind of stuff. I, I can <laughs> barely imagine their faces, <laughs> like, whoa, that's fun, that's cool. <laughs> yep. So when I I, te- I taught eighth grade for thirteen years. And then I taught in the high school for seven. When I retired, due to health issues, I had to think of something else to do. But the last few years that I taught, because of the health issues, I had a lot of pain. And so I tried Mm -hmm. to distract myself. And I love to sing and dance, but when you're in pain, that's hard to do without sounding like a dying cat or something. (laughs) So, you know. Um, I like to draw. 
I used to be a music director and a choir director. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with singles and was the co-chairman of a singles group where we would do conferences every year. Um, I volunteered as a Science Olympiad coach. Wow. Um, Science Olympiad is a national competition mm-hmm. where sure. kids um, compete in all these different areas of science. And so I did that for several years with a friend of mine, and I loved it. I loved, you know, seeing the kids get excited about things like that. Right. And then in all the middle of all this, I, um, my niece came to live with me, mm-hmm. and I raised her from the age of two. Wow. So I always liked learning new things and mm-hmm. like trying to play the piano, learning languages, all that kind of stuff. And so people have said, oh, she must be a renaissance woman. She just knows all these different things. But I think (laughs) having been single my whole life, you either learn how to do it or you pay a lot of money to get somebody else to do it. So I would just learn how to do it, you know. So They'd rather do it yourself. (laughs) Uh Doing construction, whatever it took. I just figured out how to do it and did it. Jack of all trades, right? Yes, that's it. That's it. So... Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a full life mm-hmm. thus far, but I think my favorite part was my niece. Um, she was very creative and fun to watch from the age of two on up to adulthood. Today is her and her husband's third anniversary. It's just wow. hard to believe that it's been that long. Well, time, time flies so fast. Whenever we're really enjoying every moment, right? It does. Exactly. So, and, anyways, that's where we're about at. <laughs> well, okay, well, who's uh, who's your niece? May we know her name? Oh, sure. Her name is Haley. Haley oh, Cross. Okay. And she did the illustrations of the book. Oh, okay. So, she's responsible on why the book is so beautiful from the illustration. Exactly. Very gifted. Yeah. Very gifted. So, is that part of the motivation way back when she was a kid, you taking care of her? Yes. Yep. I, uh, it's what kept me sane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, um, having some, someone else to take care of makes a big difference in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been single my whole life, but for the last 20 years, 23 years almost now, um, mm-hmm. I've had Haley to, wow, you know, focus on and to give her as many opportunities as possible. And so that is what we did. Indeed, both of you are very well reciprocated when it comes to love and at, at the same time on how you support each other. Um, as far as I can remember before this interview, you've mentioned that you're not a morning person. You are, by, <laughs> by nature, you're not a morning person. Why? Well, I mean, when I as talk. a teacher, right? Yes. I used to go to work an hour early to give mm-hmm. myself time to get into the the mode that I needed to be in to be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. I just I can't even imagine just showing up five minutes before the kids because that would <laughs> never have worked. I have to have time to get myself going. My prime time of the day is three to eleven. If I could not have to do anything till three in the afternoon, that would be perfect. And 
<laughs> and I could go all night long when I travel. I like to travel at night. So I would leave mm-hmm. at like 3 in the afternoon and drive all night. And I'm fine with that. I've never been a morning person, which is funny. My mom is is about as morning as you can get. Mm-hmm. And my brother was the same way, but I am not. You're the opposite. <laughs> So part of the opportunities that whenever you're not doing something would actually be writing or could could it be part of the process behind you becoming an, as an author? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, even when I was working and teaching, my free time, like if I was doing study hall duty, I would sit and, and write ideas or beginnings of stories. Mm-hmm. One time I asked a student, if you could be any animal, what would you be? And he told me the animal, and I said, now, why did you pick that particular one? And he Mm -hmm. gave me the reasons. And in about 20 minutes, I had written a story that was about that animal and how he, you know, he was happy to be that animal or whatever. And the kid was so thrilled that I actually had written a story about something that he liked. And then I started doing that a lot because it seemed Mm -hmm. I got some great ideas from that. You know, if you could be something else. So I have a series of stories that I've written that are, you know, I wish I were a turtle or I wish okay. I were a rabbit. So but were were there like poems part of it? Yeah. It's always written like a poem. Yep. Oh, gotcha. I like the different patterns of rhyming. So it could be like every other line. A, B, A, B. First line and then the second to the last line uh-huh. would rhyme. And then I did all different kinds of organizations that. But every story had a little bit of a twist. Mm-hmm. So um, the one that we're working on right now is I wish I were a flower. And the story is actually coming from the point of a bee, saying it would be nice if the bees would come to me instead of me having to go from flower to flower to flower. And so we've been working on that one, and Haley's working on illustrations for that. Um, But I have several of those where you start out as one thing, but there's actually a twist in the story. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them are, you know, learning to be happy with who you are. So, like, one, I have one about I wish I was a rabbit and could be fast and win the race and all this. But then it actually is coming from the point of view of a turtle. And the turtle saying, I guess it's okay to Mm -hmm. be slow because slow and steady runs the race. That's true. And being happy with who I am is more important than, you know, going fast through life. And so each of the stories is like that, that there's some kind of a twist uh, where, you know, you wish you were one thing, but then you realize... It's okay to be who you are. You know? That's right. That's right. No boundaries, no limits, right? Right. I wish I were a puddle. I mean, you know, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> Anything that the puddle is like, wants to be it wants to be something bigger than a puddle, and then realizes, you know, puddles are not so bad. So I, I was wondering, Kelly, why children's books? I mean. Is it because of where you started or go ahead, tell us something about it. Well, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, when I was babysitting, I always read to the kids 
reading was a huge part of mm-hmm. working with kids. As, and when I was a nanny, we would go to the library every week, and I'd have the kids pick books, and we would read certain books all the time and other books not so often. But reading is so important to helping a child develop their vocabulary sure. and to be prepared for school. And it really needs to start especially if not before, when they're born. And, I mean, some people I've heard that, you know, they actually read to their belly because they want their baby to be used to it. That's Um, right. I didn't have to do that, but I did when they were born, and I was watching them, I would read lots and lots and lots of stories. The more they're exposed to that, the more excited they are to learn to read, and the better they do in school. When they have a strong reading foundation, they Mm -hmm. can be very successful at school. And even if they have struggles, there's always a way to figure out how to do things that work for them if they can find something that they're good at That's right. and use that as their springboard. And okay. so reading is a huge part. And because I spent a lot of time reading a lot of books, there are a lot of children's books out there that are not really well done, but they're there. And then there are some books that are just amazing. And so I just started thinking, you know, I could do that. <laughs> I, I could do whatever I put my mind to. So I can do that. I can write books. And so I started writing down things and ideas. And then when I had time or downtime, I would write the poems, which eventually lead to a story. With my grouch and me, we were actually, Haley struggled with anxiety. She had a very upended life at the beginning. Okay. um, So she came to live with me when she was two. And Mm -hmm. and she had gone from her mom to my parents and then to me in two years. And so she really struggled with anxiety and dealing with changes. Like if you change the routine, it was Mm -hmm. not going to be a good thing. (laughs) You know, if we did something in a different order, she didn't like that at all. And... So she struggled with that anxiety, and so we were working on ways to help her deal with it, you know, Mm -hmm. how to figure out, well, what made you so anxious? What is it that's the trigger? So we got her into counseling with a special woman who worked with children. That was her Mm -hmm. whole focus. All we did was work on ways to deal with the difficult times, finding techniques and things, to, ways to cope. So she had come up with this idea about a net and how it could have all the things that would make you feel better. And so when she did that, that got me thinking, oh, we could have some fun with this. Just by talking to her and getting some ideas, I wrote the story of My Grouch and Me. And there she was about four when I wrote it. And then when she was about eight, seven or eight, she decided that it needed pictures. So I had her draw pictures for it. And then when she was a teenager, she decided it needed a new set of pictures. When she was in college, she decided she could do a, she was going to school for art and taking an illustrator's class. And she thought, oh, she had to have a special iPad and special mm-hmm. program and all this stuff, so she used it to create what we have today, which is the My Grouch and Bee, with the pictures that you see. And she put her heart and soul into that Mm -hmm. because she'd been working on it since she was eight. (laughs) So, um, but it it was Uh just a way to help her, you know, 
and it gave her something to look back on and say, oh, I can do this. There we go. And I can, so that's what, how it came about. So, yeah, so being an author, aside from you being a teacher for most of your lifetime, who has been your biggest supporter or your role model? Uh, my mom is has always encouraged me mm-hmm. to do whatever I could do. She always said we could be whatever we wanted to be. She's been an inspiration for many of the funny and visual parts of the books that I do. Mm-hmm. Things that like the jumping in the puddles, that's my mother. You know, um, and I have a best friend that uh, also never gave up on me and pushed me to to do well and and to succeed and not let people say you can't. Nothing bugs me more than when a teacher tells a child, well, you can't do that. You're not able to do that. So just, you know, skip that. No, you know, if they're willing to put the effort in, they can do anything they want to. Exactly. Now, but it has to come from them. I, You know, you can't stand over them and say, okay, now cross your tea and now do this. And now do yes, that. no spoon They have teasing. to want it. You know, if they want it bad enough, they will find a way to make it work. Exactly. And if they feel like you support them in trying to make things work, that's a good thing. That was a lot of what, with the Science Olympiad, I had a young man that I had... He'd been on the team since his sixth grade. And the last year that he was on the team, one of the events is building a bridge that can hold as much weight as possible, but the bridge has to be very light. And so you use things like balsa wood or um, basswood that's really uh, light um, but strong. And this kid must have made 16 bridges from September to February. And each time he would test it and then figure out where it broke or where the weakness was and then he'd redo it and he'd build another one and another one. And he took first place at the regional competition. And he deserved it. He put in so much time into that bridge, but he knew what all the weak parts were and how to adjust them, and he still Mm -hmm. managed to keep it nice and light. And it was pretty amazing. But he was a great example for the rest of the team as well because they saw him work so hard. They also worked hard at what they were doing. The year that my kids got to go to state, the state competition was in the middle of their April break. And... So I had one gal who couldn't go because her family went to South Africa every summer. But she had built a flute out of a PVC pipe. So she let her partner take it to the competition and compete. And she got first prize. Um, and then I had another kid who was working on the catapults. And he made his parents fly him home early so that he could go to the competition. We picked him up at the airport in the school bus on the way to the competition. So it was, they had so much put into this. They had invested so much time and effort that they were not going to miss that competition for anything. And it was wonderful to see them succeed like that. And the fact that we got to go to States was an amazing thing. And we didn't come in last, and that was our main goal, was to not be last.
<laughs> out of however many schools. How many? Uh-huh. 70 or 80 schools. Knowing the fact that there are a lot of people who, who have known you as a great teacher, not only with the kids, but also with the parents or the guardians, what do you think things or some tidbits that most people wouldn't know about you yet? <laughs> uh, well, one of them is our family thing is we name our cars. <laughs> Every car has a name. So regardless <laughs> if it's yours or someone else's car? Well, you know, like uh, my parents, they named all their cars, <laughs> and we had some interesting cars. And then my car is Susie Blue. Um, it's a Suzuki. My oh, niece there you go. <laughs> named it. She picked it at the at the car dealership. She picked that car because it had an S on the front, and she thought it meant Superman car. And so we had to have that car. Um, so we named her Susie Blue because it's a blue car. Um, but we've had lots of I've had lots of cars. Um, and we've named them all in our family. So we had Rough and Ready and the Shuttle, and you can imagine what Harry got that name. And then <laughs> we had uh, uh, Prince James and Blizzard and Ruby, um, Hoover. Hoover looked like a vacuum cleaner. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, naming our cars has always been just something that we did that most people think we're crazy, but people that I work with would never know that I name my car. Okay, so for the um, rest who doesn't know Kelly yet, at least, whenever she mentions a name, you could actually ask her, is that a car or is that a person? <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who would like to pursue the similar path like yours, being a teacher or, or being an author? Never give up, but do your research. You know, don't take everything that you read at face value. Do some research and figure it out. Because a lot of times, especially today, things that come out are just so distorted and they're leaned a certain way. And people seem to think that you you have to lean one way or the other, that you can't just be well-informed. And we need to be able to do that. And proofread your grammar, for heaven's sakes. I watched the stuff on social media, the writing, and I think, how did you make it through school? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my heavens. (laughs) Exactly. And um, with the innovation right now, this is is also something I would like to share. With the innovation right now, there are a lot of softwares or apps that are very much affordable sometimes. It's actually for free that um, aspiring authors or teachers or even writers could take advantage of. Right? So they just right. need to Google it out, make sure that their references are right, not just, you know, those exactly. news or information that are made up. Take time to research, just like what you said. And always make sure that your references are really true, not just, you know, stories made up just to impress or not just to, you know, fish or hook information. Because at the yep. end of the day, it's your name would be written there, right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. If it's going to represent you, for heaven's sakes, at least put forth your best work. Yeah, not unless you're into you more. (laughs) Not unless that's your your topic. So why not, right? (laughs) Go knock yourself down. (laughs) Exactly. You know, write about what you know and not try to fake it because people can tell when it's fake and it's not going to help you any. Mm -hmm. You know, and they need to understand also that humor and sarcasm are not the same thing. You're right. You can be funny. Without being sarcastic and rude. That's true. Um, and, you know, there's a place for both. Less sarcasm is better. Um, but humor is, 
I used humor a lot when I was teaching. It it was an everyday thing. It's what got me through the day. So to wrap things uh, up, um, how can your listeners connect with you online? Facebook is the best way, mm-hmm. only because okay. it's something that uh, it's easy to see. Like if they post something, can respond right away. Um, if they ask a question, I can respond either separately or right on the Facebook. Um, but that seems to be the best way that I've found to connect with people online. Um, I have never done Twitter, but apparently I have a Twitter account now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the one I know how to use is Facebook. <laughs> sure. So they would be the looking for Kelly Clement uh, in Facebook? Yes. And actually, there's two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my niece actually has the same name as me. My other, oh. I have a niece, not Haley, but another niece. She's the wife of my nephew, and so she has the same name as me. So I think they've they've established. I think the Twitter one is Kelly Clement Books. Yeah, that that would be the best way to reach out to me. But I am on Facebook. Mm-hmm. as Kelly Clement, and I think I have, they have set up a new one. But I believe the picture <laughs> would be you holding your book, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the best way. You find the book, you found me. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, aside from this uh, podcast, we'd also be adding your Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter username for them to reach you out and look for you right then and there, right? Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I think they're there. Yes. Would we be expecting for another book coming? I'm hoping. I'm in the process of, uh, well, Haley's working on a set of illustrations for a new children's book, and I'm wow. trying to finish up the the novel mm-hmm. so I can get that one out, too. There you and go. So they'll be coming. Mm-hmm. So, guys, please Hopefully do expect soon. updates or news. Just follow Kelly Clement on her social accounts, like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So at least you'd know what's happening. You could also ask her what she said. And... One last thing. Tell them how happy it is to be an author of a children's book. Oh, I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, I worked. I went and worked with some schools and read the book to the kids. And the one little boy went home and told his mother all about it, and they were going to go to the book signing, and then COVID hit. Oh. And it blitzed the signing. But he was so excited about that book. Um, and I thought, you know, there's another kid. That's got a shot. Mm-hmm. There's another one. Um, I went and I had asked the kids, what does a grouch look like? What does your grouch look like? <laughs> and one little boy raised his hand and said, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, guys. For you to know more about Kelly and at the same time about the book, My Grouch and Me is very much available in Amazon and also in Barnes & Noble. So grab your copies. And again, if you'd like to reach out and ask more of how to be Kelly Clement and how to create books like what she have created, message her in Facebook so she could connect with you right away. Okay? Sounds awesome. Okay. So thank you so much, Kelly, for the moment. And I hope the rest of you guys that have been listening to us find something fulfilling with the books that she has created and also with the messages that she has given. Thank you so much for listening. And that's for today. This has been Drew of Tone Radio. Radio.